Recording in progress. Well, welcome everyone. Um, good to have you all. Um, it's an honor and privilege to join yet again. I um, I'm looking forward to uh, opening up the scriptures with you all. <clears throat> I hope that um, for those of you that are here in California, you didn't find this uh, time too early. I know 8 a.m. is uh, pretty early. Um, I I myself I'm running off of um, like three hours of sleep, so I definitely sympathize with you. Um, but nonetheless, you made it, and I trust that you are well aware that every time you make it, um, you're exposed to the Word of God, right? And every time we're exposed to the Word of God in truth, there is um, a deposit that we make within our soul. There's a deposit that we make within our destiny. Um, and so... Even though we may not see the immediate results, do not be mistaken that an impartation, a deposit is occurring nonetheless. You know, the Bible describes the Word of God as the engrafted Word of God. It says, uh, receive the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your soul. But engraftment takes time. You can't, for example, there's a process where you can take... Uh, skin and then engraft it to exist, you know, uh, old skin and then take it to your skin and it will engraft. Um, but it takes time. It doesn't occur overnight. And so <clears throat> with that said, you've joined for a purpose. It isn't, let me say this, and let me just kind of um, blow this out of the ballpark. This isn't a social club. Okay. This isn't a social club. I don't believe in religious social clubs. Uh, this isn't a religious AA meeting or NA meeting. And uh, it's not Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it's not that. Okay, so when we gather together, this is a holy thing unto the Lord. Okay? Um, I just need to remind us that because um, a lot of people today are interested in religious social clubs. And they're not interested in being confronted. They're not interested in growing in the faith. They're not in. See, and here's the thing: there's many, there's many churches that are just interested on in swinging chandelier, swinging on chandeliers, and clapping their hands. And but here's the thing: their lifestyles indicate that they're playing patty cake with the devil. It, it's 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 no it's there is no intention on true to be a true disciple. There's no intentionality. If you ask them what does it mean to be a disciple, they will they will think um, it means simply to go to church. That's all they have within their reference point to be able to answer your question. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, I, I go to church and uh, you know I, I give a little bit of money, but that's the extent of their Christianity. But I'm here to tell you today that is not what Jesus had in mind when he purchased his church with his own precious blood. I'm not suggesting that we minimize our assembling together. But what I am saying to you is the way in which we meet, 
the, the expectations that are there and what we do afterward will either convict us of our Christianity or will leave us wanting for evidence for our Christianity. If you were to stand trial today, is there enough evidence to convict you guilty of being a disciple of Jesus Christ? If you were to stand trial today, is there enough evidence to convict you guilty of being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or will you just be convicted of being a churchgoer? Or will you just be convicted of, of having a little, uh, uh, being able to speak Christianese? Not Chinese, but Christianese. You know how to speak the language. You even, you know, put the 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 scriptures on your on your doorposts, and you know, and have a nice cross necklace, and you have you know the scriptures on your mug, and you even got you know a little uh, sticker on your backpack, and all that stuff. <laughs> but that's the extent of all that people could expect of you for being a Christian. And I'm not trying to guilt trip. I'm not trying to do any of the stuff here. But I, I, I'm, I'm very weary of what we see in the body of Christ today. Okay, we're, I'm so weary of what I see today in the body of Christ because it's nothing more than um, it's nothing more than that which is short of what Jesus wants for His people. Okay. You might say, you might say, you know, in what way, but <clears throat> I hope to go further into that <clears throat> as we get into the scriptures. But at this moment, I want to, I want to pray and I want to ask for your undivided attention. Um, so whatever you're doing, I trust that the Lord will <clears throat> give you the grace will give you the grace to be able to retain uh, this knowledge and to focus in. Um, remember, you know, I, I, let me just say this really quickly. Some years back, back in like 2016, it was at an old church of mine. I had the privilege of being able to hear from a man who uh, was from Africa. He, um, he, um, he had planted like 50 churches. His intent, his, his desire was to plant a hundred churches before he left, before he died. And he used to be into voodoo. He used to be heavily into the occult, the witchcraft and stuff like that. And he had related, he had said within his preaching, he said that if he wanted someone dead, he could be able to do so through witchcraft. He said that if he wanted a certain woman, he was able to do it through, you know, these spells that he would cast. But he had come across this lady he was unable to successfully allure in through his spells, and it happened to be a Christian. And he got frustrated, you know, and, and so he was confronted by the power of God, and he was frustrated that there was a limit to his power, so... Uh, long story short, he ended up converting. But one of the things he told me or told the church was this. He said that when church services are occurring, he would cast spells and be able to knock over items and knock over stuff without even being present for the purpose of distracting the proclamation of the word entering in your mind. 
And he was able to incite things, you know, that's why, you know, little babies would cry and then this would happen, that would happen and nothing would seem to go right. Now you might not believe that, but I just so happen to believe it. And I know that it's not far off from the tactics of the devil. That's why even as, you know, the word is preached, you're thinking of McDonald's or you're thinking of food or, you know, whatever else. You're, you're thinking of everything else other than the word. So I, I want to remind you, just in case, this is a temptation of yours. Alright? So let us pray. Father, we, we come before you, Lord. And I just pray, God, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be present. Lord God, I pray right now that you would give me the grace that you would give me the anointing to be able to preach your word. Father God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would give me, Lord, the power that you would enable me, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would tear down every high thought that would attempt to exalt itself against you, Father. Lord, I pray right now that it would be cut off. Lord God, I pray against every satanic attack, every demonic attack that would want to allure the attention of your people, Lord God, away from the proclamation of the word. Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that, Lord, that you would convict, that you would give me the words to speak, Lord. I pray that you would give me uh, the the uh, this insight, Lord God, that you would give me, Father, the ability to uh, proclaim your word like a dagger, like a two-edged sword that would divide both soul and spirit, both uh, motive and intent of the heart. God, I pray that you would read the hearts. I pray that we would grow in grace. I pray that we would grow in the word. I pray that we would be disciples of your word. Holy Spirit, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, God, that no single person today will be able to dodge your word. But Lord, I pray that you would not only give me the frankness and the directness to to uh, dagger at it, Lord God, at every false belief and ideology and system of thought, but Lord, that you would also give me, Father, heart of 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 sympathy and compassion and understanding and and patience, Lord, that it would come from the bowels of Jesus Christ. It would come from directly from your Holy Spirit and not my own uh, zeal or preconceived notions. Father, I pray, God, that the power of your word will go forth to transform your people, to build up your people, to educate your people, Lord. And Father, I pray that while it may not lose a a prophetic dynamic, Lord, I pray that it would be very teaching-orientated, God, today. That we may learn, O Lord, that there would be a, a thorough descriptive truth concerning your word and concerning this topic. And God, I pray that you would, uh, uh, um, I, I pray that your, your word and your spirit would combat against every religious thought every false thought, every thought that they they assume to be correct about your word, but is not consistent with with the scriptures. And God, I ask of you, Lord, make us disciples of you, that we would be more than just churchgoers, we would be followers of the Lamb of God. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, in the mighty name of Jesus, may your anointing rest upon me, God. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give me grace. Give me grace. Give me grace. May your Shekinah glory, Lord, dwell in the midst of us. May it dwell in the midst of us, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to, <clears throat> we're going to be doing a bit of scripture reading today. As, a, as I had mentioned in my prayer, as I had prayed unto the Lord that he would give me the <clears throat> the grace to be able to be more teaching orientated today. Um, but meanwhile, I, I trust that it will not lose its prophetic dynamic and aspect. And l- let me just say this l- l- uh, before we continue. And but as I speak, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. So if you have that in your Bibles, and, and I, if, you're ava- if you're available to have your Bible present and be able to open it up, I would encourage you to do this. The Bible says that there were such people called the Bereans that they checked to see if the things that Paul had submitted to them was in fact scriptural. Right? <clears throat> How successful will you be as a lawyer without your law book? Okay. But I wanted to say this because, um, oh, praise God, man. Congratulations, Daniel. Three years of serving the Lord. (coughs) That's a blessing, man. Praise God. (coughs) Well, happy third birthday. (laughs) Um, I want to bring this up because I think it's vital. I think it's important to understanding what this means because this, this term gets tossed around a lot, <clears throat> uh, prophetic. And so when I mention that, I'm not just speaking with regards to the gift of prophecy. And the reason why you'll keep hearing this occur and hearing this brought up is because that's the office to which God has called me to. And I've, I've functioned in the teaching office, evangelistic and, and prophetic. And I, I say that because with each given office, there's a DNA to it. And, and depending on whatever office uh, a man of God operates in, that will trickle down to the people and they will protect, that, that DNA will integrate within them. And so if you find me tossing this word around a lot, it's not because it's just some fancy word that I want to attach to some greater purpose, or I just want to be metaphoric, or just use Bible terms without understanding the meaning. So beyond just the gift of prophecy, when there is such thing called prophetic preaching, it it is to say that it's often spontaneous, it's not scripted, okay? It reads your heart. There's there's a weight. There is a there's a pressing. Um, you, you will feel as if I, I'm following you around all week, and and you know. So it's and and many times prophetic preaching the the, the prophet is not even aware that he's under inspiration to to go into the details of your life and to uncover them. Not all preaching accomplishes this. There are some preachings that are just pointed uh, step one, step two, step three, okay? 
or it's very expositional. It, it'll show you the grammar. It'll show you the terminology. Okay. But we're in need of, of all the aspects of, of the ministers and the ministries founded in Ephesians chapter 4. Okay. And so when I, when I mention that, <coughs> I hope, see a lot, a lot of times, especially during prophetic preaching, you'll feel like a dagger at your word. And you'll feel exhorted and that you need to change something, right? But teaching goes to the extent of informing your mind. A lot of times after prophetic preaching, you can't, you can't remember any steps or really any scriptures, but you know that, that you've been wrecked or you've been, you've been humbled. Whereas teaching is intended on, I've heard it this way, preaching is a prescriptive it tells you what to do teaching is descriptive it tells you how to do okay and so i want to break that down to you that i'm so okay so if you've ever hear me well what does it mean by that it's not just some buzzword it's not just you know some christian you know trying to sound cute and fancy okay but as um if you turn there in matthew chapter 10 verse 38 I want to read a very challenging passage of scripture for you. <clears throat> and if you got it, turn your attention to it. And this is what Jesus says. Um, excuse me. It might might have been. Oh, I'm in John. What in the world? <laughs> oh boy. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Okay, this is what the word of the Lord says. Um, Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And if if you turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24... I want to read you something else. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. The word of the Lord reads, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or can anyone give an exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So, what does it say about Jesus? It says that he takes discipleship very seriously. See, there are many believers. Nicodemus was a believer. But what was wrong with him? He was ashamed to be seen as a believer in Christ. So what did he do? He snuck away at at nighttime. Because he didn't want the rest of the Pharisees to see. See, this is what, this is the problem for some of you. Some of you have come from denominations. Some of you have religious associations. And if what you have been learning here was, was vocalized, you'd be kicked out some of your synagogues. 
but you slip away at night because you don't want to be seen. Or how about this? You slip away at night to go hang out with a sister you, you shouldn't be hanging out with. Or a brother. You slip away from the pastor's attention. You say, oh, you know, you know, he will never know. And so that's what I mean by prophetic preaching. Is Already the Lord's convicting some of you because of what you're doing. Um, but <clears throat> he slips away at night. He doesn't want to be seen by uh, the rest of his religious friends. You know how you know how, how interesting would this be? Like if you know if you've ever seen like a a crip go like leave some of his friend like his homeboys or whatever his gang, and then he goes out and he slips away to go hang out with some bloods. That's a that's a betrayal. That's disloyalty, right? But that's unheard of in the street life. <coughs> well, it's unheard of according to <coughs> the standard for which Jesus has for you and I to be disciples. It's unheard of. There, There is no neutrality. Now, what I'm not suggesting is that we don't struggle. But what I am suggesting to you is what the Bible tells us that we cannot serve God and we cannot serve mammon. And that, that is to say that God cannot be, money cannot be our God and, and, and at the same time God be our God. Gangs cannot be our God and then God be our God. Sex cannot be our God and then God be our God. If God be God, serve him. If Baal be God, then serve him. But let he who answers by fire, let him be God. Amen. He's the only God that answers by fire. That's why a lot of times when you hear the word preach, it's fire shot up in your bones. It's a fire within the bosom of your soul. It, it, it's, it's, not more, it's not just religious zeal. It's the Holy Spirit that is burning inside our hearts, inside of our souls. That's why they said on the road to Emmaus, he says, you know, uh, uh, when Jesus appeared to him, but they didn't recognize him. And he, they said, uh, and, and as, as dull of hearing, as slow to believe as they were, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? But you know what's interesting in that passage, what did they attribute to Jesus? They said that there was a prophet of the Lord that, 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 uh, that did mighty things, that mighty deeds, and so what does that say? There's a description there of prophetic preaching that it burns within your bosom. It, it does more than reach the head. It reaches the spirit. And this is what I love that Ian Bounds said. He says a sermon born in the flesh reaches the flesh. Sermon born in the head reaches the head. But a, a, a sermon born by the spirit reaches the spirit. But let him be God, the one that answers by fire. And, and so we cannot serve both God and man, but we can't, let me tell you this, you cannot serve God and religion. You may say, well, oh, but pure and undefiled religion before God is caring for orphans and widows and those that are in distress. See, a religion is, is your own, you're inoculated, you're, you're, you're fascinated by your, the imagination you have of your own Jesus. That's what religion is. See, a lot of people, they, they got a hippie Jesus. They got a sissy Jesus. 
And I'm not saying that this Jesus, do, you know, the real Jesus doesn't love us. But, you know, he's just the type of Jesus that throw, throws peace signs up all around. You know, it's funny because I got a friend around here. Uh, uh, I don't know if any of you guys, uh, you know, have ever watched Soul Train. It's a, uh, it's a, um, it's this old 70s song, you know, old 70s show. It goes, Soul Train. And, and there's this guy named, called Don Cornelius. He says, uh, with Don Cornelius. Well, I have a friend. He looks like Don Cornelius. He would have the fro and everything like that. And every time I see him, he'll go like this, real smooth. Like that. <laughs> real smooth. I'm like, it's Don Cornelius. Soul train. But anyways, <clears throat> real peaceful guy. <clears throat> He's non-confrontational. But a lot, you know, as much as I love that brother, and he's a brother in the Lord, Jesus just don't throw peace up, peace signs up all day. He can be confrontational, and that's what religion does. He'll tell you that the Word of God doesn't say what it says, or, or you know, the see. Anyways, I'm not going to belabor the point, but nonetheless, <coughs> Jesus takes discipleship very seriously. And it requires more from you than just to go to church. Do you understand that? Look, if you would turn to John chapter 8, verse 31. <clears throat> John chapter 8, verse 31. And you know the funny thing about religious Christians, and I want to break this down to you because you, know, you might get saved and delivered from your theology. Um, when I say that, I, I imagine the, 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 the sort of Christians that they, their, their own, their, again, their own ideas and their own thoughts and ideologies trump scripture. And, and so th there is no, there is no, um, subjection under the authority of this and you, under, you must understand how dangerous this is because whenever someone elevates themselves it doesn't matter how nice they sound doesn't matter how kind they are if they elevate themselves above the authority of scripture what we have is satanism what we have is heresy what we have is false doctrine and it, and see, it might even be clothed in a in, in a um, <clears throat> finely dressed, uh, uh, decadent um, form of you know uh, of attire, clothing. But that form of clothing in a carcass doesn't matter. The carcass is still a carcass. It's a dead body. Amen. But we want we want to paint everything. You know, to where it's nice and it appears wonderful and beautiful. But be not mistaken that it is still a dead carcass. And we have a lot of those guys. You know, um, I've said this before. But some of the most, the, the, the people that you got to be aware of are those form of people, those religious people that will only tell you what you want to hear. Man, see, here's the thing. Let me teach you a life lesson. If, if the people, and I get that people, some temperaments, they're just naturally nice. <clears throat> they're, they're excessively nice. But there are certain persons in your life that will never tell you what you need to hear. It's those people you need to stay away from. 
See, you get upset at those people that tell you what you don't want to hear. And they just, they, you know, I've, I've pointed this out <laughs> before. Like Sister Noemi. It's just like sometimes, like, just says whatever. You know, and it's like, dang, sis, like, you, you don't think you went overboard right there? <laughs> like, dang. <laughs> and I'm not to, I'm not to embarrass you. It's, it's, but I say that because it's the, that form of behavior that is actually safe to be around. You know why? Because you don't have to guess what people are thinking about you. They just let you know. Hey, I don't like that. That dress looks ugly. Hey, how do you think of my hair? Yeah, it sucks. Well, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Right? <clears throat> because they'll just let you know. And and they're you know, sometimes they're not trying to be a jerk, it's just how they are. But here's the thing when it comes to teachers and it comes to ministers of the word, do we want to just be told that we're we look fit when we're actually obese? I, do you? I mean, do you want to be told that you're all good when you got cancer? <clears throat> oh, you ain't talking to me. All right. Next time you go to the doctor, expect that you go to the doctor so he'll tell you the opposite of what you came there for to be told. All right? <laughs> you know, see, here's the thing. Let me attack this part. That's why a lot of us, we want our filters on Instagram. We want it to lie to us. You know, I seen this reel where this, you know, this mother had this like anti-aging filter. And then the, the, the daughter said, she don't really look like that. <laughs> like in the background. <laughs> let, let me, when you hold up the mirror of the word, are you putting a filter on it? Okay, I'll, I'll stop. And in John, he says, <clears throat> John chapter 8, verse 31. He says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Verse 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching. So guess what? <clears throat> people who don't hold to the teachings of Jesus will not be set free. Excuse me. That's <clears throat> why so a lot of people who are demon possessed, <clears throat> they won't be set free. You know why? They think it's their ancestor. They think it's um, you know, some you know, sweet angel. You know, <clears throat> for no marvel, the Satan comes to him as an angel of light. I remember one time we were doing this deliverance on this girl, and God gave me a word of knowledge for what, for why she couldn't be set free. And it was because the demons were telling her that it, they would kill her if she repented. So I, I, I got that word, and once that happened, she gave up, gave up all her paraphernalia. Uncover the lies of the devil. Okay. But here's the thing. Light is required in order to be set free. Light and truth. And not only light and truth, but to hold to the teachings of Christ. 
Amen. To hold fast. Do we have steadfastness? What is steadfastness? You hold to something and you don't move. You might feel pressure on every side. An anchor. It's feeling the force of the waves that are attempting to rock it elsewhere. But the anchor is there because it remains steadfast. It remains immovable. Are you immovable? Are you an emotional Christian? You know, I just had I had a brother of mine just recently. I'm not going to say his name, but I would I, I would send him quotes, and then he ended up on following me on Instagram. Why? Because I would send things to him I knew he needed to hear. And his emotionalism got the best of him, so much so that he was going to unfollow me. And I told him, I said, we don't stone prophets today, we unfollow them. It's just like, I'll ignore ignore that person. I don't know how to answer his theology, so I'm just going to ignore him, I'm going to block him, forget it, this is upsetting me. Why? Why is that upsetting you? Why is that upsetting us? Because you're a soulish Christian. Uh, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that you don't live for Jesus. <clears throat> I'm not saying that you don't love him. But maturity hasn't, you haven't reached maturity because your soul controls you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says that the word of God divides soul and spirit. We are spirit led people. And guess what the Spirit of God does not do? The Spirit of God is not fickle. The Spirit of God doesn't move. The Spirit of God doesn't get bent out of shape and becomes irrational, cannot be entreated. Amen. Amen. That's why it doesn't matter what people tell me. It doesn't matter what Christians tell me. They can tell me everything that I want to hear, everything that someone else wants to hear. And they will even cite scriptures. But I can pick up in their spirit that they're angry, they're bitter, they're cantankerous. Oh no, brother. I'm, uh, everything's fine. Just like Joel Osteen. If you just love your dog and love your cat, everything's going to be just fine. This is the Bible. This it, it's it, you know what does he say? I am who it says I am. It, I can do what I, it says I can do. But see, here's the thing: in practice, we don't really believe that through Christ we can do all things. We don't really believe that because the moment the weight and the pressure of temptation hits us, you act out, you cuss out. And bitterness will creep into your heart towards other Christians. Why? Because you're dominated by the life of the soul. And here's the thing deceptive about the soul. It will even feed you fuzzies and religious emotions and even zeal. But when it comes to being movable, you can't do it. We must be disciples of the Spirit of God, the disciples of Jesus Christ, disciples of His Word. And let, let, let me tell you this. Here's the thing. that God, God will say things that will offend your mind and offend your soul. 
but the Spirit of God will say amen to it. Some of the things I'm telling you right now, you can't handle it because your soul is in conflict. But the Spirit of God in you is saying what he's saying is true. Amen to that. The scroll is bitter, but if you swallow it, it leads to honey. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what it says in Revelation, if I'm not mistaken, in the, in, in the prophet Ezekiel. That he had to swallow the scroll, and the scroll was bitter. But, but here's the thing. When you want to taste of honey, like the smooth words of the adulterous woman, it says her end is bitter as wormwood. But if you swallow a bitter scroll, the end thereof is sweet as honey. Amen. That's why David could say, he could say that it is sweet as honey in Psalm 119. But let me tell you this. There are some words that God will tell you that is not sweet unto your taste buds immediately. But it is bitter. You don't want to do it. It's like medicine. It is disgusting. But when you swallow it and you take that hard pill, you will be able to move into maturity. Amen. We think everything that Jesus says, don't get me wrong, he loves you with an unrelenting, with, with an, uh, uh, an undying love. He loves you compassionately. He loves you with all his heart. So much so that he signed his, his, his statement, I love you in blood, in his own blood. <coughs> but the self-same Christ will tell you things that you don't want to hear. But what does he say in Hebrews chapter 12? That they that receive discipline, that's a derivative from the same Greek word, mathetes, where we get the word disciple. It means discipline, learned one. So mathetes means disciplined one. Taught one, pupil, student. So if I am without discipline, the Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 12, it says I'm a bastard and not in fact a legitimate son. You're just going to church. You're just a religious Christian that is without discipline. <clears throat> you love your Joel Osteen. You love your Stephen Furtick's. But you don't want to be a real disciple of the Lord Jesus. It comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of a cross. But here's the thing, we don't live at the cross. We live in the life and the power of the Holy Spirit. See, some people's Christianity only stops at the cross. Mine hasn't. I've already gone through that. I live now in the power of the risen Christ by the Holy Spirit. I don't have to do this in my own strength. See, this is why it, it annoys me. I always hear pastors and preachers say, I'm so weak, I'm so weak. No, we're supposed to be so powerful, right? He says, wait into Jerusalem until power comes upon you. What need do I have for power if I'm going to remain weak? That's not power. Amen. Amen. This power is able to cast out demons. Demons are subject to this authority and power. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I was telling I was telling someone recently, I was, I was saying, 
Um, you know, uh, preachers should should be should make more money than lawyers and doctors. See, some, even right now, that offends some of you because you have such a low view of ministers. No, they shouldn't get paid that. You know why? Tell a doctor to cast out a demon. He can't do it. Tell a lawyer, a police officer. They don't have the authority. The highest authority on earth are ministers. On earth. As far as men are concerned. You know why? Because Christ has given them authority. Paul says, now we, referring to the apostles and Timothy and Silas, we are ambassadors and we implore you, the church, be ye reconciled to God. A distinguishing. <clears throat> are we okay? Amen. The highest authority as as far as touching mankind is concerned is 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 the preacher, the fivefold ministers. This is why Charles Spurgeon says if God has called you to be a preacher, do not stoop down to become a king. Do you understand that at the declaration of a prophet, Moses, kings bowed down to him with a knee, beseeching, pleading for their prayers. What did Pharaoh do? He says, cause these plagues to leave me. That is the power of a man uh, or, or, or a woman operating in a prophetic office. Even kings and pharaohs and magistrates Bow down because the authority of God is upon them. Amen. You, you don't have to amen. I know it's true. Let me show you another passage. Abraham was a prophet unto the Lord. And what happened in his case? Someone ignorantly messed with his wife. And God was going to come at night and kill that man. He warned him in a dream. He says, in the innocence of my own integrity have I done this. I didn't know. He says, yes, I know. But you know what's interesting? Even though he has done, was going to do that in his ignorance, he, Abraham still need to pray for that man that he may be healed. Job is a prophet unto the Lord, according to James. But what was needful for his friends who spoke ill of him? He says, my servant Job will pray for you that you may be healed. I'm just citing scripture to you. Job, Abraham, Moses. Okay, so <clears throat> they're not just someone that knows more Bible than you. <coughs> I can art, and and I say this with I say this with all, I say this with all um, sympathy, and I say this, but I I I know that there's some even now. Your pride rises up, and the, the, there's something there's something in your theology and religion that won't allow you to accept that. Okay, <clears throat> but going back to what what I was saying, um, are we all here? Amen. Thumbs up. Prayer hands, crying face, anything. 
Amen. <clears throat> so, the Lord wants us to be disciples of His Word. <laughs> I'm sorry I veer off like that sometimes. Um, but as I was saying regarding the scroll, it it's it, it can be bitter. But guess what? It leads it leads to an enjoyment of honey. And let me just say this. It's been very difficult, very difficult at times to accept what Christ was saying to me. If I can be honest, there there's there are my gardens of Gethsemane that I have. The crushing of the soul. And it is it's scary. But you know what? I'd rather have the hand of the Lord be hard upon me than my own sin. And what I mean by Garden of Gethsemane is when Jesus had gone in the garden and he prayed, he says, Lord, if this if there's any way that this cup be removed, may, may it be removed. He says, nevertheless, not what I will, but you will. And this was right before he was about to go to the cross. And he was praying drops of blood. He, he was praying so intensely that drops of blood became had come out. And the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke that angels had to come and strengthen him. It was so intense. You and I may not be going through that 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 level of intensity of a garden, but we experience it nonetheless as Christians. But as a result of his enduring of the cross, he reaped a crown. <clears throat> but if we continue as it says right here in John chapter 8, verse 31. It says that the truth will set us free. What was it? 831? Excuse me. 831. Yeah. <coughs> if you hold to my teaching, <coughs> in other words, you can't let it go. It says... It says, um, we, we ought to give the more earnest heed that at any time we should let these things slip. These things can slip from your hands. Have you ever tried carrying like a metal object with, you know, with oily hands or something like that? It slips. We have to hold fast to it. But he says here, he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. See, we want we want that label of, of disciplined one, student of the Lord Jesus, but we don't hold to his teachings. Let me give you an example, and I want I want to drive the nail in this this coffin. I, I've been I've been speaking about this very often on my stories. Um, and, and Facebook and stuff like that. And I, I tend to get a lot of people that just don't look at it. And I, I want to drive the nail inside the coffin of cessationism. See, that's an example of people that don't want the Lord Jesus and his word to be the discipling factor in their life. They want a Christianity without the miraculous. You know what? You want to know why? Because they can control that. 
You can't control the Spirit's leadings. You can't control His movings. And so we, we want, because we're spooked out by the miraculous, you know what we do? We start folding the Scriptures and, and we want to play origami to get it to, to what we wanted to say. And so guess what? Now our Jesus is not the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He was just same yesterday and in the days of the apostles, bah, in 70 AD, uh, you know, you know, or at the completion of, of the scriptures, the canon, or at the death of the apostles. Jesus just so happened to change, and he's not doing that stuff anymore. And the reason why I say this with, you know, so snarky is because I hate cessationism. You know why? Because it leaves people in bondage. Cessationism is a demonic and antichrist doctrine. You know why? It's demonic because it blasphemes tongues, it blasphemes the gifts of the Spirit, and you know what? It, it, it by default secures the demonic bondage that people are in because ministers can't cast out demons today. So let me ask you this. If our gospel cannot liberate people fully, do we have a gospel indeed? No. Our gospel cannot liberate the demoniac. And so guess what? We the the demon possessed, guess what? I get you I guess there's no good news for you. Jesus says this that he had gone out preaching the good news of the kingdom. Well, how do we know that the kingdom of God is manifest? Jesus says this if I by the finger of God cast out demons and the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if demons are not being cast out by these ministers, they are not bringing the kingdom. Amen. The rest are Mormons, right? No, no, the rest are cessationists in this group. Come on, you gotta get you gotta get <laughs> delivered. <laughs> We'll pray for the rest of you. You 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 you'll cross over. <laughs> I'm not saying that to be mean. But look, once again, if the Holy Spirit wants to move, understand this. Look, 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 look. You gotta hear me here. And I'll get to some larger points here, but I need you to hear me on this. The Jehovah's wit see the devil is crafty. His main goal isn't the teaching. His main goal isn't to fabricate a new teaching. That's not his goal. His goal is to get everybody to the same place. He wants everybody in hell. But if he can't get you in hell, he wants you to have hell on earth. You know how he gets you hell on earth? Don't hold fast to the teachings of Jesus because if you don't hold fast to them, you won't be set free. I'm not saying you're not saved, but you will have a partial freedom. You won't have a full freedom. So what he wants to do is obscure the teachings of Jesus and add darkness to it. He wants to bring mixture to where if there's just a slight variation in that coordination as you continue on and on miles down the road you're going to be off distance from where you intended to go so if the devil brings uh deception if he brings lies it, it, it doesn't matter whether he takes it by the jehovah's witness doctrine and tells you the holy spirit is just a force 
and is not personal, so he can't speak to us. Or if you're a cessationist, and it's it's not it's not um, the Holy Spirit that they elevate; it's the Holy Bible that they elevate in the place of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe God can speak anymore. And so, so it doesn't matter which route, Jehovah's Witness doctrine, Holy Spirit to them is just a force and cannot speak, or whether it's cessationism and the gifts aren't today. It still results in the same thing, is the Holy Spirit is silence. And so what does that tell you about the doctrine? That the devil is running rampant through it. And so the end result is the same, the Holy Spirit can't speak. It's the end result. Whether it's Jehovah's Witness doctrine, the same thing, or the demons can't be cast out. See, that's the thing, is Satan wants to hide behind lies. That's why you hear demons, when they get cast out, they screech. They get angry. They manifest through the people and they gnash their teeth. Why? Because their lies have been uncovered. There are some false teachings that are not doctrines of demons. Others are. Okay, so <clears throat> cessationism, for those of you that don't know, it's the doctrine that the gift of prophecy, gift of healing, gift of tongues, gift of discerning of spirits, gift of word of wisdom, gift of word of knowledge, gift of miracles, they, they, they've all, the gift of interpretation of tongues, it's all been done away with. That's what they teach. You can't cast out demons. So, why? Why is this so important? Because it's not the full gospel. Because the gospel is manifest as the good news of the kingdom, and the kingdom comes when these signs follow. So, if there's none of these signs, how can we manifest the kingdom of God? Amen. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, I, brethren, when I came to you, didn't come with eloquence or words of wisdom. He says, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Well, let me ask you this. How do you demonstrate power? How do you demonstrate the Spirit's power? Through those things. Mark chapter 16. Healings, speaking in tongues, casting out demons, so forth. <clears throat> so, let, let me see what time it is. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> we want to hold fast to the teachings of Jesus. Look at if, if you would look to Mark, First uh, John, chapter four, verse six. First John, chapter four, verse six. Is this all right for you guys? You okay? So he says, we are from God. And whoever knows God, and he says, we are from God. Yeah, we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. What did Jesus say concerning the apostles? Whoever receives you, receives me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. 
So in other words, the apostles' doctrine, when they had come to certain regions, they had such confidence to say that if you reject the apostles, you've rejected Christ. Right? And so, there is this, there is this, and what did Jesus con- uh, uh, commission his disciples, his apostles to do in Matthew chapter 28, 19? To make disciples of all nations. Right? And so here, here's the thing I want you to understand. A lot of us, we want to say that we're disciples of the Lord Jesus, but we will not be discipled by anybody. And I was praying about this all night. Well, not all night, excuse me, last night. I was praying about this last night, and I was really praying through this. Because some of the things that I want to be teaching on are going to be a little more personalized. And I, I, don't, and I don't intend on saying anything that will come off as a jerk or anything like that, and I'm very careful about what I say. Um, <clears throat> but there's some... In this chat, you don't want to be disciples of anybody. You just you say that you're just a disciple of Jesus. But can I tell you something? That's not biblical. Why did he have a continue? Why did Jesus have a succession? Jesus had a chain Jesus was the first link in the chain. The apostles was the second then those who succeeded them were the third. And that process continues. <clears throat> so that if you are unwilling to be fathered or mothered in the faith, you're not a disciple. Because Jesus doesn't connect discipleship independent of his usage of other people. I just posted something by Prophet Tommy last night on my Instagram stories. And he said this, and I loved it. He says, whenever the Lord intended on delivering the people, it was only, this is the only instance that you find, time and time and time after again, is that the Lord would raise up a prophet, and he would bring deliverance through a man. If you don't believe me, try to find in the scriptures and contradict what I'm saying. You will not find it. The Lord never brought deliverance by an angel. He granted help to those who would inherit salvation, as the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. So the angels assisted those who were the messengers to liberate the people of God. But an angel himself never liberated any people of God in the sense of bringing them out of their captivity in the sense of bringing to them the good news of the gospel of the kingdom and preaching to them the the the, the gospel of liberty an angel has never done that the only thing they have done was announce the birth of the lord or deliver them from lions and things like that yes i grant that but as far as sin is concerned and the bondage that sin brings an angel never did that An angel never casted out a demon. An angel never performed a miraculous sign. As far as healing is concerned. Or praying for the sick. So we have the privilege that angels don't. Amen. We have the privilege that angels don't. But here's some of you. Some of you are like, oh, but. You know, I, I don't I don't need to do that. 
Because we're so spiritual that we actually eat with angels. <laughs> now, I'm just saying it's, it's kind of like a lot of those people that just happen to like chat with angels and, you know, you know, you know, eat angels bread and they, they, they float on water and stuff like that. It's always those that tend to dodge the word. They over spiritualize everything. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter how spiritual you may sound. Just because you're spiritual don't mean that you're a disciple. Just because you sound spiritual doesn't mean that you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Just because you give don't mean that you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Just because you listen to sermons. Just because you do your devotions. Let me even say that just because you even share Jesus with the lost person doesn't mean that you're that you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus. It's a good thing. And praise God for you opening up your mouth. But look at, if we read this again, 1 John chapter 4 verse 6, he says this, <clears throat> um, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us but whoever is not from God does not listen to us this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood so obviously this is assuming that the people of God that are proclaiming the word of God are in fact from God so if you're following someone that's not from God then you're not following God Right? If you follow that logic. And this is a problem we have today. A lot of people are not sent from God. They're sent from a denomination. They're sent from an abomination. They're sent from <laughs> they're sent from denominations, from cemeteries, I mean seminaries. They're sent from everything else but from God. They're sent in fact from the devil many times. But they will use the Bible and they will try to sound very spiritual. But here's the thing they're liars. They'll tell you you got to be circumcised to be saved. The Hebrew roots movement of those uh, overly religious, uh, uh, hate-filled, racist, you know, uh, the what do they call them? The Hebrew Israelites. They got one of those like servant men holding the Bible and he says, give me John chapter 3. They got to just yell every everybody. See, these are examples of cults and people that are coming with deception. They're from the devil. But John says that they are sent from the Lord. John the Baptist was sent from the Lord. <clears throat> Many people are sent from the Lord. Smith Wigglesworth was smith, uh, sent from the Lord. But you know what? The religious people couldn't stand him in, in their day. You know why? Because he would punch tumors off of people and stuff like that. I understand that's very unorthodox. I mean, I wouldn't want to get punched if I'm in the healing line either. But, I mean, you can't deny the miraculous that he operated. You understand, one time he prayed. He In his ministry, eight people were raised from the dead, including his own wife. And one of the people that he raised from the dead was dead already days and was in a casket. 
He pulls that body out of the casket and slams it against the wall in the middle of the funeral. And then the body just slids down like sli slides down like that. Everyone's gasping, like, what in the world are you doing? He picks up the body, slams it up against the wall again, says, In the name of Jesus, arise. And then it slides down again. Everyone's gasping and offended. And by the third time, he slams it up in the, against the wall and says, I told you in the name of Jesus, arise. And the body woke up in the middle of a funeral. Amen? Well, one time he kicked, he, uh, they brought to him a dead baby. You know what he did? He punted the baby. He kicked it. But it was raised from the dead. <clears throat> I don't recommend anybody do that. If you do that once, you're screwed. You're going to jail. You know what I'm saying? Like, you better have come in with the power of God. And God better have told you to do that. But you're not Smith Wigglesworth, so God didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> okay? Let's just, let me just put it like that. God didn't tell you to do that. You're not Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> <clears throat> See, you know, you got people like Todd White, they want to spit on people, right? But he didn't heal no blind eyes. Jesus did. But anyways, are, are we still here? <coughs> but he says, whoever's not from God does not listen to us. Why do you think every time a Mormon comes to your door, they won't listen to you? They're not from God. Jehovah's Witness, they're not from God. Right? Religious strongholds, exactly, you're right, Jarvis. <clears throat> mm. I know I've kind of bounced over the place here, but... <clears throat> I'm citing this passage here. Now, if you turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm, I'm going to do my best to calm down here a bit. I, <clears throat> I wanted to beat the dead horse of cessationism. Um, but I want to go back to this idea of disciples. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse, verse um, <clears throat> actually beginning at um, verse 10, actually. No, 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 verse 7, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Um, but as we read, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, right? Disciples mean learned one, disciplined one. Student, pupil. But what does he say in, in John first uh, John chapter four verse six? That they that hear us are from God. He says, We know that we are from God, and, and the mess and John uh, John is assuming that his message is from the Lord Jesus. This is why he says that which we've uh, handled, that's which we have seen, the word of life, and this word was manifested to us. 
And so they have been entrusted with the very words of the Lord Jesus. And he says, we know that we come from God. We've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus. And so we are submitting to you the words of God. And he says, he that receives us receives receives the Lord. He that receives these words receives God's message. Here's the thing. You cannot receive a the message without receiving the messenger. <clears throat> okay. Amen. If you reject the messenger, you reject the message. Okay, I'm not saying that you got to like every messenger of the Lord Jesus. That That's not what we're saying here. But in order for you to truly be a disciple of the Lord, it involves for you to accept certain people. Because the Lord uses people. If we are truly His hands and His feet... Can we accept the Lord Jesus with rejecting his body? It's kind of like, hey, you know, Brother Malachi. And I just kind of isolate his head apart from the whole body. And it's like, there's something about me that has just a disdain for his body. But like, I just, you know, kind of like esteem his head. I like, I, I really like his head, but I just, you know, it's like, bro, can, can we like, you know, cut your body out somehow. I just don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Not that there's anything wrong with his body. And sorry to, you know, hopefully you're not embarrassed. But you get the logic. You get the point, though. We cannot accept the head, which is Christ, and reject his body. See, but if, if you really believe this, a lot a lot of your behavior would change. You know why? Because some of that bitterness and some of that some of the offense that you have towards others in the body, you, you would go and reconcile that. What does Jesus say? He says, Leave your gift at the altar and go make amends. Amen. <clears throat> that doesn't mean you gotta be best friends. But it means that you must strive to maintain the unity of the bond of peace. And see, the thing was, we love our Jesus where it's just him and us. And we ask him to forgive us. But let me ask you this question. Can you ask one of his members, one of his children, can you ask them to forgive you for something you've done? Can can you do that? Can I do that? They're made in the image of God. Jesus spilt his blood for them. They're not the harlot, they're not the 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 dirty world. They're the bride of Christ. Even the pagans love them that love love them, love others that love them. Can we love our brother? Can we love our sister? Or are we so sour-faced that we can't celebrate their wins? You can't rejoice when they rejoice. You can't weep when they weep. You rejoice when they weep and you weep when they rejoice. Can we do that? Can we embrace our brothers and sisters? Can we genuinely love them? And let me tell you this. Let me tell you something else. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burst some of your bubbles here. If you claim to love the bride of Christ 
and you're dating someone in the body of Christ that, that the Lord told you, no, you don't love them. If you're dating someone from the world, you don't love the body because you're a part of it and you're wanting to unite it with a with a, a, a prostitute. That's why Paul says, he says, can I join myself together with the prostitute? He says, I want you to partake of the cup of the Lord, not the cup of demons. Amen. You think Jesus wants to unite with with a sinner? No, he doesn't. He wants them to repent and get cleaned up. Amen. But you're bedazzled. You're just in awe of, of their beauty or of how handsome they are or their looks. So, we, we got to repent of that. We got to repent of that. The Lord doesn't want to unite with them. He says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. <clears throat> come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And I will receive you as a father. I will receive unto you. Uh, he says I will receive you. And he will, he will be a father unto you. Amen. You know. Um, <clears throat> there's this meme I've seen on Facebook. And it shows a, a, a woman. And I think it showed like Kim Kardashian or something like that. And it says. You know what you think that you're getting into. I don't. I'm just paraphrasing. And then it showed like this contrast of it, like it looked like a zombie. Yeah, you talking about the um that spiritual picture, like when you land up with a beautiful woman, but she's actually a demon. Yeah. Like whenever that, yeah. Yes, exactly. And let me let me tell you this, and see, you guys have to you guys have to deal with this. Um, I hope that you guys can bear with this. Maybe this drives you nuts because you just want pointed sermons. <clears throat> but I just have to be obedient to the Lord. Because he just drops things on me that I have to say in passing. Because he wants to get something to your attention. And it may not necessarily even be for you, but for you to tell somebody. Okay? Um, speaking of, of demons and, and females and stuff. Are we the bride of Christ but dressing like Jezebels? We got Bible in our bio, but breasts in our pictures. I don't say this with hate. I'm saying this with being very frank. We got Bible in our bios, but breasts in our pictures. Well, how about this? We're, we're not married and we're shacking up with another guy. 
We play footsies. And we think it's cute. Let, let me, how about this? We're making out with somebody and you're not married with them. You're kissing your sister like that? Sister, you're kissing your brother because that's not your husband. That's your sister. I know the Bible said greet each other with the holy kiss, but it didn't mean that. <laughs> try, to, try to justify the scriptures. Try to justify your behavior by twisting the scriptures. Until you're married, that's just your sister. That's just your brother. You're not one. Oh, but you don't understand. We're having a Bible study. But it doesn't matter if you just have a Bible study. I mean, the devil will have a Bible study with you. Amen. Uh, oh, but pastor, this is from God. Okay, but but God's best led you into sin. How does that work? How does that work? Oh, 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 pastor, this this this, uh, this job is from the Lord, yet it knocked you out of fellowship. Oh, and then guess what? You're growing cold while you're working there. You're not on fire anymore. This this school is from the Lord. But then you get indoctrinated and confused by atheism and all these other stuff. You're led away from the Lord. You're no longer spending time with the saints of God. And you're fellowshipping with the world and you look like the world and you smell like them. Amen. God didn't bless you. You blessed yourself. You keep putting your hand in the cookie jar. The Lord keeps smacking your hand. Saying, eat dinner first. But you don't want to eat dinner. You don't want your Brussels sprouts and your your broccoli and the this and the that. Because why? It's It's nutritional. But it requires for you to eat something you don't want to eat. But he's, he's reserving a dessert, so to speak, for you afterward. But you won't be patient. So you bless yourself. And now you got diabetes. You got cavities in your teeth. And now you got to go to the dentist. And now they cost an arm and a leg because you don't, got, you don't got medical coverage because you didn't pay for it. Now you're in a pit. And the Lord can take you out and redeem. It can do all that. But you know what? You waste years and you waste time. Amen? You waste years and you waste time. Amen. Can I say this? Some of you guys will waste your virginity. Some of you will spin your virginity for for someone who doesn't care about you. Let 
May the Lord give you grace. May the Lord help you. May the Lord strengthen you. May the Lord give you grace to help you get through all of this. But as we go, and we're coming to a close here shortly. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Okay, so where do gifts come from? comes from His grace. <clears throat> and how do we receive grace? By faith. Says, He that worketh miracles among you, does he do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You don't work for this stuff. By faith, you pray for it. You seek it. Okay? Now, it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So it's dependent upon how Christ decided to distribute his grace. But how does that manifest? What does that look like? Well, it looks like gifts. Okay, but I'm going somewhere with this. And so bear with me. It says, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. This is another reason why cessationism is so uh, dangerous. Because if you're denying the gifts, understand that it had taken the blood of Christ to secure that. Because what it's talking about here is when he ascended, he's talking about when he went to heaven. But But it also mentions that before he ascended, Jesus descended, right? To the lower earthly regions. What does that mean? His burial. His death. So the death of Jesus and the ascension is what was needed to secure the distribution of the gifts to the body. This is why he says, in John it says, Thus he spake concerning the spirit that was yet to be poured out, but it had not been poured out because he was not yet glorified. When was he glorified? When he ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high. That's when he was glorified. So the gifts are the byproduct of the death, ascension, and glorification of Jesus. So that if you deny gifts, what are you saying in effect? That Jesus did all that just for forgiveness? It's not a complete view for what Jesus purchased. Amen. You're shortchanging Christ and the body by your doctrine. I want it all. I remember John Wimburn said this. He says, I gave up drugs, man. He says, when I was serving the devil, he told me I could get what I got. When I, when I, when I was looking for chronic, I wasn't looking for stress. 
right? When I was looking for shrooms, I was looking to hallucinate. When I was looking for ecstasy, I wasn't looking for some cheap stuff. I was looking for it to have meth or heroin or whatever in it. And I was looking for certain results. But you mean to tell me I can have to come to God and I can't get what his word tells me? And this is what John Wimber said. He said he, one day he, he, he grew tired of this stuff because he was serving as a deacon or something. And he said, yo, uh, hey, can I talk to you? He said, uh, he, he, said he was talking to one of the men in the church. He said, hey, when are we going to do this stuff? <laughs> That's kind of how he would say when, you know, when he, when, back in the day when he was using drugs, where's the stuff? He says, when are we going to do this stuff? He's like, you know, old school guy from the 70s. When are we going to do the stuff, man? <laughs> and he's like, what stuff? He's like, you know, man, the stuff. They're in the Bible, man. He's like, oh, well, we don't do that. You don't do the stuff. And so what he was getting at is <clears throat> this is a big aspect. In church life. You know why? Because we're all individual members. And that's why Paul says, if one of you has a song or a psalm or a word, right? He says, we can, you know, utilize these gifts. He talks about this in 1 Corinthians for the edification of the church. But as we go on, look at, take notice of this verse 11. <clears throat> so Christ gave, he gave gifts, right? It tells us he gave gifts. In um, verse 8, it says, and he gave gifts to his people. But in verse 11, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So what are the gifts? Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, they are gifts to the church. Do you see that? If you read right there in the text, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm leading I'm going somewhere with this. Yes, helps and and mercies and 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 uh gifts of prophecy, all those things are gifts too. But the Bible talks about the fivefold ministers being gifts to the church. Now, why is this important? <clears throat> because we're going back to the idea of discipleship. And God uses people to disciple others. You know, I, I love I love when someone tries to teach me the Bible and I say, Who discipled you? Oh no one, you know, I I just I just study by myself. Well then don't talk to me, I don't want to hear you. Keep studying by yourself then. Don't try to teach me. Because why are you gonna try to teach me if you've never been discipled? You have no lineage. They're looking for your birth certificate and no one can find you. Do you do you just walk in the doctor's office, or do you do you go to you know uh, uh, anywhere, and then just expect to be seen, and they can't identify you? They don't know where you come from. You're a nomad. What does that mean? You're a vagabond. That means you just wandered and wandered and wandered and wandered. You have no certain dwelling place. You come from nowhere. You have no ancestry line. And guess what? That loses authority. Let, let, let me point, let me prove this to you. 
You know, even Jesus himself valued the approval of a man. Not any man, a man sent from God. How do we know? The Bible says in, in, in Matthew, it says, John was a man sent from God. So why did Jesus need to get baptized to fulfill all righteousness, right? I'm, I'm preaching Bible here. It wasn't until Jesus was pointed out by a man that he entered into his ministry. I know some of you want to get religious right now. Say, no, all I need is God. No, you need God, but God appoints God's men. Amen. And here, here's the reason why you never reach your apex in Christ. You never get to the pinnacle you, because you're so religious. You just think that a Bible and coffee and a nice sermon will do it. No, it won't. It will store up information, but doors will be closed in your life until you open up your heart to be discipled by another. Amen. You know, I, 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 love, I love the fact that here's the thing, but you, you don't understand that, that this rejection of this will close doors in your life. Because it, let, me, let me tell you what it means when you reject someone. It's dishonor. This is why Jesus says that a prophet is not without honor in his own hometown. And among his own kindred, among his own people. Well, what was the manifestation of dishonor? Rejection. This is why you don't get promoted at your jobs. Because you dishonor your boss. This is why you don't get promoted in your career. Because you dishonor the one that is above you. Doesn't matter how talented you are, doesn't matter how skilled you are, doesn't matter how qualified you are. Dishonor will reap a horrible benefits that you will not want. But if the moment you begin honoring people, the moment you begin saying, you know what, you know, this is my boss, you know, and I may not agree with everything he does, but let me buy his Starbucks today. No strings attached. Let me just say you've been doing a great job. I know you got a lot of pressure. Just want to honor you as my boss. And you know what will begin to happen? God will begin to honor your choices and you will begin to gain priority over everybody else who are more qualified than you. Because let me tell you this, those in leadership want honor more than they want qualities. Amen. 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 This is why this is why some of us as Christians say, I don't understand. I keep praying for this and nothing is happening. You know why? Because you're dishonoring people. I see street preachers do it all the time. They think just because they're doing the Lord's business, they get to dishonor cops and officers. Oh, it's no wonder why you kind of get kicked out of places. It's not because you're being persecuted for righteousness. You're being rejected for being a jerk. Amen. If I was a cop and a Christian, I'd kick you out too. Amen. I'm being serious. I would kick out 90% of street preachers because they're obnoxious. You know, I posted on my stories, I said there there's a, a you know, a, like a bright yellow traffic cone in a street preacher. I said I can't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not saying that I'm against street preaching. But anyways, my point though is this. <clears throat> so Christ had gave gifts, apostles and prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers to the church. For what purpose? You know, so we, we've learned from the Reformation, right? Martin Luther and guys like that. Sola Scriptura. By Scripture alone. Okay. And, and that has... Scripture alone de- defines for us what doctrine is. But Scripture alone will not mature you. I know you don't like that. But I told you today I'm making this very personalized. And I'm coming from a, a fatherly approach because I want to dismantle some of these religious ideas you have in your head. Because they're going to create a hindrance for you in your walk with God. You think that scriptures alone is enough to mature you. No, it's not. You're saying, oh, okay, you you forgot prayer. Prayer and scripture. No, it's not enough to mature you. Oh, I know what you mean. It's prayer, the word, and God. You're still wrong. Just look at the text. I I asked asked for us to go to the Bible for a reason. Because I want you to see something. Let's just follow it line upon line, precept upon precept. And you tell me if I'm adding anything to this. Okay? So Christ himself, not the devil, not the church, not a denomination, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to what? Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. So what is God connecting maturity to? The distribution of prophets, apostles, pastors, so forth. So, just a simple reading. What do we gather from this? What's the conclusion that ministers are needed for the maturity of the body? Very very simple, right there in the text. Are they God? Come on, of course not. They're just men. But they're God's men. So you know why a lot of the church remains immature? Because they're so proud, they think all they need is just the Bible. But can I can I break something to you? You know, before Martin Luther had a protest of the church, that all throughout the Old Testament, up until the 1500s, only the priests and the ministers had Bibles? In fact, it was commanded that the king and the priest had it, not the common laymen. I'm not suggesting take away your Bibles. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, so don't hear me saying that. But I'm saying historically, we, we just want to look at ourselves in this little small chunk of 500 years when thousands of years, it was only those who were commanded, commanded by God himself to handle the ordinances of the Lord and the oracles of God, the words of God, in order to instruct people. That's why it says, with the lips of the priest shall I teach my people knowledge. Let, let me, and I, I can understand I, that a lot of us are having a hard time with this. And I told you that I'm hoping to just teach you today. You're probably not going to get a lot of spiritual fuzzies, right? 
I'm really teaching and dismantling, destroying some of these ideas that we have in our head. This is why a minister can read the word and in a month get what you had taken to get in five years. Because God has graced them with revelation. And that doesn't sound that doesn't sound like, you know, but here's the thing. Why do you think do you, wherever the wherever the call of God leads you, the grace of God will keep you and will fund you and resource you. So the Bible says that God has commanded teachers to teach and they will undergo a greater condemnation. So don't you think that the grace of God will meet them for their call? So this is why it takes for the person that's not called to the ministry, they read and read and I don't understand. And then a minister can say something like, oh, that's what it was. How come I couldn't see that? Because they've been graced as stewards of the mysteries of Christ. That's that's Bible, Ephesians. Amen. Doesn't mean that they're any better. Does, it doesn't mean that. It means that we have our individual functions. Let me ask you this as a great challenge. Do the demons operate outside of their function and call? No. There are principalities and there are demons that are not principalities. A demon will not try to usurp the point of position of a principality. Why? Because it's outside of rank. Do the military operate outside of rank? No, they don't. What happens if the general becomes the foot soldier and the foot soldier tries to be the general? There's chaos. And so I'm coming back to this idea. Are we all right? <clears throat> so discipleship. Um, fatherhood these are all biblical terms and if you reject God's protocol guess what you're going to remain immature you're going to remain a a, um, a bastard a nomad because let me just point this out In James, no, in First Peter, the Bible says this: "You who are younger, submit to the elders." Right? I'm Bible, First Peter, chapter five. It says, "You who are younger, submit to the elders." Who are the elders? The fivefold ministers, right? He says, "For God opposes the proud, but gives, like He's given in Ephesians chapter four, grace to the humble." And then it says, submit yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. So why is it saying submit to God, but submit to elders? Jesus says this, if I by the finger of God cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Right? By the finger. Why why didn't he say by my toe? Because the finger, where do fingers come from? Hands. What do hands represent in the scriptures? Authority. So ministers are the hands of God. This is why it says the right hand 
You find this all throughout the scriptures. Represents authority. Who has authority? Hebrews chapter 13. Submit to them who have the rule over you. Rulership. Authority. Are the hands of God. So that while it may say. You who are younger submit to the elders. It means. You submit yourselves therefore. Under the mighty hand of God. The rulership that God has instituted in your life. Amen. So that if you become proud, guess what? You reject grace. Doesn't mean that you that you lose salvation, but there is a certain grace in your life that won't flow down because of your pride. I'm just preaching Bible to you. Where, where do we find that word grace? Right here in the scriptures, Ephesians. When it talks about that to each one of us, grace has been given. Verse 7 in Ephesians chapter 4. Well, what is the grace? It's manifested through the gifts. Who are the gifts? The ministers. Do you see that? Why is this important? And I'm coming to a close here. Let's just read the rest of the scriptures. Verse 12. To equip the pe- his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That's that Greek word talos. It means perfect, complete, mature, coming to its expected end. In other words, we don't want to be babes in Christ for the rest of our lives. We don't want to be you know, sucking on a binky when we're 10 years old in the Lord. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then, after all this happens, we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined together by every supporting ligament grows and builds up itself in love as each part does its work. So you can go back and read that uh, when you have time, but there's a description of what this should result in. You should become mature. You should be equipped. You should grow up into him, the head, right? Who's, who is the, uh, o- the, the, the superior, the uh, over-shepherd, right? But, that comes, that process occurs when you receive the gifts. Not just healings and miracles, but what does the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 through 28? For Christ has put in the church first apostles, secondarily prophets, then teachers, then working of miracles and healings and tongues. So in the chronological order of importance, he lists the ministers, then the, the rest of the gifts. Do you see that? You can check it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 28. And so those things are needed. So guess what? Cessationists, they don't grow to maturity. Why? Because they've rejected the grace they rejected the gifts. Amen, somebody? Are we following? Are we learning something? Um, 
Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You get, you know, whenever you get done talking. Oh yeah, go ahead. You're fine. You can ask right now, bro. Yeah, I was wondering, like, you know, how you got people around you that's close to you. They don't. They seem to not want to mature. How do you like distance yourself from them? Like, how do you act around them? Like, <coughs> show your disapproval. <clears throat> that's a good question. So, <clears throat> the way I see it, honestly, and this might sound messed up, I don't cast my pros as swine. And, um, you know, I've, I've learned, especially a lot of times, even like when people want to debate with me, sometimes I get sucked in. But if after I've said one or two things and they still insist and I, I and I know this sound, I don't want to sound arrogant. Please don't come. Don't take me as someone sounding arrogant. But I know that I'm right. I'll say I think you have it figured out. I, I, I will stop now. I, it sounds like you have it figured out. All right, man. Later. Because, because here's the thing, pride, you can't logic people out of pride. You can't reason people out of pride. And so uh, the Bible says, warn a divisive person once. And then after that, it says twice. It says after that, have nothing to do with such a person. You can be assured that they're self, that they're warped and self-condemned. So divisive people are proud people. They're ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so people who don't open up their hearts to <clears throat> the wisdom that you may have, you know, you you can't give a blind person sight. And normally, it, it, honestly, here, here's a big test too. I, I, I refuse to chase anybody down. See, if <clears throat> you have to advertise um, anything, you haven't arrived. And your value hasn't been appreciated or seen. And in fact, and here's and here. Honestly, let me. If I can be honest, uh, you might not hear this sort of stuff anywhere else. I'm being hard intentionally, just like Jesus was hard. Why? Because he said hard things intentionally to offend people, not to be a jerk. You know why? Because he wanted them to come to the the, the decisions that he knew they already wanted to go to. So he was making it faster for them. And that's why many of the disciples, up to a certain point, stopped following him. He says, "You twelve, turning to the twelve, will you leave me also? He said many hard things for certain purposes, to test their hearts. Because he wasn't looking for smart people, he wasn't looking for talented, he wasn't looking, he was looking for people with heart. But to answer your question, brother, um, how how I go about it, um, when people are closed off and stuff like that, I I just do what Jesus said and just I dust the dirt off my feet, and I, I will give them like a second warning. <clears throat> and even if they're close to me, you know, um, I just I just um, I don't I don't spoon feed them, I don't force feed them. Right. You know, I don't know if that answers your question or or with. The, the best part was when you had, you know, brought me to the realization that that is pride in them. And that, that speaks a lot more than anything else, honestly, because there's nothing that you can do when somebody is stuck with pride. So, yeah, you, you answered it right. Thank you, bro. Amen. And another thing, too, is <clears throat> fear. I have a brother who, in the Lord, who, you know, I try to get him to stop listening to cessationist guys. 
and I, I, I sent him some stuff and he's gotten to the point where, you know, because when, when it comes to the topics he's interested about, he'll love to speak to me. Even if it requires, even if it goes, if it results in me going back and forth, not with a heated debate, but through just a dialogue and me countering him. He, but when I start talking to him about things of that are foreign to his theology that he don't know how to answer, he feels insecure. And so what he does is he shuts down. Why? Because if you're going to a seminary, which he is, and it costs a lot of money, and you're staking a lot of things on this belief system, and you spent years in, and you have to admit this brother's right. Guess you've guess what? You've wasted so much time. Right. They're afraid for what they will lose. And so many times we won't mature in the faith because guess what? We have to let go of certain doctrines, and we just and- we can't be wrong. Why? Because Daddy told us, Mama told us, denomination told us. And so we built so much on the foundation of this doctrine that after we've constructed this this structure, it's like, man, I'm sweating. I used all these resources, all these workers, and now I got to tear this stuff down? It's fear, insecurity. And they don't want to go back. It's humbling to say, you know what? I was wrong this whole time. I was wrong. And so, um, as we come to a close, I want to ask us this question. Are we disciples or are we just churchgoers? And I'm just going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be very honest and say that um, I hope that we're not we're not just churchgoers. We're not just people that talk a good game. Okay. I hope that we're people that actually are willing to be disciple. And let me tell you this: it's more. Here's the thing with people. It's more than a Bible class. Do you think that Jesus was just holding Bible classes? Do you think he was just interested in making YouTube videos and Instagram reels? This is why I really don't even care about YouTube because disciples aren't made by YouTube. Amen. I think they can teach you a lot of things, but they can't teach you to be a disciple. You know how you learn to be a disciple? When a minister offends you to your face, what are you going to do? Not He's not trying to be a jerk, not trying to be belittling, not trying to be arrogant, but says, you know what, you're wrong in this area. Brother, you're not consistent. Sister, you're not consistent with the scriptures in this area. I think you need to change. You know why? Because YouTube videos don't test your character. YouTube videos will not test your character. And I'm not teaching you something. I'm not preaching to something that I haven't gone through. And I'll say that to gloat or anything like that. But I know that I lose respect for someone that hasn't gone through the process themselves. And they want to preach to me. Amen. I tell you, there's been times where I've cried 
<clears throat> because I've been rebuked so hard. I've cried on more than one occasion because I've been rebuked hard. And I didn't like what I was hearing. Um, there's a lot of good things that I heard, a lot of good things that I learned, a lot of great times. <clears throat> but there's also times where, figuratively speaking, I got kicked in the butt. But you know what? It has helped me to be, to get to the calling to where I need to be. To grow as not only a man, but grow as a minister. But guess what? That can't happen if you're so closed off and you just want to stay at a distance. Because in order for you to be disciples, you got to understand this. There were the masses, the 5,000. There were the 70 that were a little closer. There were the 12 and there was the 3. But only John leaned his head on the bosom of Jesus. Okay, So there are layers to this. Some people, they just find with the potlucks at the church. Oh man, Jesus got some food going on. We don't got to pay. Right, we're just coming to this food drive. You know, like Leonard Ravenhill said, he says, if you drop the chicken, you drop everyone because everyone's chicken anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, they got some donuts. They got some coffee going on. Oh, we're, we're there in a heartbeat. They got movie night. Ooh. Right? I've seen it so many times. The masses will come out, bike raffles and all that stuff. But then there's the 70. But then there's the 12. And if you look, Peter, James, and John, Peter got told a lot of hard things by the Lord. But look at, where are the other disciples at? Do you see any of their writings? Do you see any posterity? Do you see any, the book of, uh, of <clears throat> Matthias? No, not Matthias, um, Judas. Do you see that? You don't see the book of Judas. Peter, James, and John were the most influential because they were the most closest. And so, how hungry are you to grow in discipleship and maturity? So, <clears throat> and this will benefit your life. And I want you to be well assured of this because this is what, this is what should be present in the church. More than programs, more than all this stuff, more than uh, uh, potlucks, more than uh, uh, even small groups, is, is asking this question, have I been discipled in the faith? And so, we'll come to a close now. Um, Recording stopped. I, 